Welcome to A Handful of Hope, where we bring you heart-to-heart conversations with heart-centered people. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of A Handful of Hope. I am so happy and grateful to have Emmy with us here today, who is a storyteller and strategist who helps visionary entrepreneurs launch their online programs with engagement-driven campaigns that captivate a new cold audience fast. With almost two decades of experience in the film industry, working with brands like Subaru, Real Housewives, MGM, and Paramount Pictures, she brings Hollywood storytelling to create client results like 24K weekends and over 100,000 in recurring income in less than one year, and an $800,000 launch with 40X ROI. At the heart of her work is the love for storytelling to uncover what makes your brand remarkable and turn it into your secret weapon that builds your legacy. Ooh, I love that. Emmy, welcome, and thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited for this. I am too, and I, you know, I was sharing with you just a moment before we, we started that I, I found myself falling in love with photography about nine years ago or so, and what I found with it was, you know, how busy we get and how distracted we can be. And there's always a million things that could demand our attention. But when I found one of myself is whenever I would look through the lens of a camera, it was like the one thing where I could get myself to slow down and be fully present and see the world through really a different lens. And maybe we could start off with for you as, as someone who looks through those lenses a lot, what do you see when you look through a lens? Ooh. Great question. <laughs> Where do you even begin with that? Oh, anywhere. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited to hear. I think I've all, I've just always been captivated by the moving picture and and telling stories, not just through language and the word, um, but through imagery and through sound. And maybe this is a byproduct of being an immigrant child and you know, kind of learning how to speak English, but. Uh, I've always gravitated towards that. And as I grew older and, you know, experimented with shooting uh, on cameras and with video, well, when I first started, they didn't even have video yet. So that kind of dates me a little bit, but, (laughs) (laughs) but um, I guess why I love working with the camera so much and whether there is a subject, a client that I'm looking at, or if it's a landscape, in that moment, you can tell so many different stories that you normally wouldn't be able to communicate in the day-to-day. And so mm. in, in this way, the camera lens is almost like taking a snapshot in, I mean, I guess quite literally, in that moment and everything kind of slows down and you can really start to feel the message of that that person even before they've said a single word and i think it comes back to how humans communicate as social creatures you know even before we say a single word on video your audience is already perceiving you with your facial expressions and your body language and the way you kind of hold yourself. And I guess I'm just an anthropologist at heart and I've always found that really fascinating. I love that. I feel like what you do is such sacred work in the sense of that people are really trusting you to choose moments that will define them, their business, their brand, 
indefinitely, you know, for an extended period of time, maybe indefinitely. When you're, when you're constructing a shot, when you're choosing which images or which snippet of video is going to define them, what are some things that you look for in those moments that uh, these are the ones where you decide this is the one I want that we need to capture? Mm. Um, you know, it's interesting. I think for me, it's, it's a pretty organic process when I'm actually in the shoot. It's quite intuitive and organic. Um, and there are several components, you know, I think a big part of the work is in the pre-work. And so I'm really digging deep into the client and understanding what makes them tick and digging into what is the story possibly beneath the story that they haven't even quite revealed to me and how can we illustrate this through their video through their content um, in a way that really captures that and so by the time I actually get to the shoot ideally I have all this information already you know I have this intel tucked into my back pocket so that when I am shooting I can simply be present in that moment mm -hmm. um, what I choose in terms of like framing and how I actually shoot. Um, a big part of it is lighting. You know, I'm looking for what is the best lighting because light tells a story in itself and light can communicate an entirely different message. If say, for example, the client is backlit and there's this beautiful sunset coming down from behind them, mm -hmm. or if they have sharp light coming across their face, you know, it's all about positioning them so that the overall picture tells a congruent story with the message that we're trying to convey. And I think a big part of it too is like having fun, you know, like I, I enjoy the moments where I walk into a scene and I'm like, yeah, I don't really know what I'm going to shoot. <laughs> like, I don't know what like angle to shoot from, or there's not really any, you know, spectacular light coming through. How am I going to make this work? And I think it's those moments that kind of push my creativity. What are the ways that we can like really zoom in and tell a story of a moment of uh, say, you know, hands doing something or the expressions of the eye um, and just playing, you know, playing with the different angles, with the different distances, playing with the sources of light. And um, yeah, hopefully at the end of this, I have a ton of great footage to work with in the editing process. <laughs> I have to tell you, I mean, when you were just talking about that, when you said light tells the story, I got total goosebumps because this morning I had gone for a walk and I found myself. So where I live, I'm on the coast and you can walk out onto a wharf and be on the ocean. So I was walking out of the wharf to watch the sunrise. And I was also going to take a video that I was going to post on social media if I could talk. And as I was doing that, you know, the sunrise is over in one shoulder, the moon setting is over another shoulder, but then there's also those little faint harbor lights. And I literally had the words go through my mind as I was playing around with it. I was like, wow, depending on where you stand, the light really does tell a different story. It, it makes a completely different backdrop, completely different experience. And just even how I was experiencing it for myself as just trying to set a scene, the, the way the light was here made a bigger shadow versus this picked up the light a little bit more. I guess that's a long way of saying is first of all, I so grateful you said that because it just, I was thinking that this morning and for 
video becoming such a major part of how we communicate and how we, we market our brands for someone who might just be getting into it or getting comfortable with it, which I want to come back to and talk about that with you in a moment. How do they begin to establish like uh, what light is the most important or how do they even begin to find the light that helps them tell the story they want to tell? Hmm. I would say for the most part, start with what you have and you can always build from there. Um, for someone who's starting out and if they are wanting to make videos, but then they invest in like this fancy DSLR and they're struggling to figure out the settings and they're, you know, trying to do so much in one go. What I found is that that tends to be more overwhelming than anything else. And, and you just, people are more likely to quit mm. instead of just to keep moving forward. And so in some ways I would much rather someone who's just starting to use their iPhone you know, to use their smartphone. They can bust it out any moment. It's easy. I think it's more important to be consistent in that way than to capture incredible, you know, mind-bending images, which is an art and a science that does take practice. On the other hand, um, if there is already, you know, some fluency in it and they are just looking to create a better picture with, with the light, with the elements that they have, um, I would say, try to use natural lighting as much as possible. Natural light will always create a more beautiful image in terms of natural skin tones, uh, the right white colors in the background, mm. um, then artificial lighting. And it's a lot easier to work with in many senses than you know setting up a light kit and trying to figure out what angles that it should be pointing in. Um, so work with the natural light, but what I notice a lot of people do is they will put the light kit directly in front of them. So whether that's the ring light or any other kind of light kit, what actually works a little bit better is if you have the light more at a kind of 45 degree angle with your face, of course, depending on your environment, but in general, it tends to cast a bit more of a kind of natural, like it'll highlight some of the shadows and mm. contours on your face and look more, it creates more depth as opposed to just having a really flat, white, bright image where you have the light directly in front of your face. But this is something that I could, you know, go on for, that'd be a separate live stream altogether. <laughs> I'm already but that's a good place. <laughs> Selfishly wanting to make five different separate live streams with you. <laughs> sure, let's do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean, I have to ask, as, so as a photographer, apps, does it enhance the art or does it hinder the art? And I'll, I'll preface this by saying, I wrestle with this every time I post something on Instagram. Because I know if I slide the you know contrast a little bit this way, and then if I adjust the brightness a little bit this way, it's going to get a few more likes. Or if I smooth it out with this app or do a little thing with this one, it's going to get a few a little bit more engagement. But then the other part of me says, well, is that what the photo actually looked like? Especially with cameras now, they're able to pick up so many more colors than our eyes can even process, right? So. Uh, are apps, do they, do they hinder or do they, do they enhance? Mm. I think, I think 
it's not really about the app and maybe I'm answering it in a tricky way, but rather the person. Mm-hmm. Um, apps can definitely enhance our user experience and the end product that we create. And on the flip side of the coin, it can also over-exaggerate and just kind of go overboard. And so I think that when it comes to apps, you know, there's no hard rule of thumb as to, you know, what's good and what's bad. I like to think of what the end user experience is going to be. So for Instagram, for example, you know, we know that you can't zoom in on the pictures or just, you know, square or portrait. Um, And so I do tend to increase the contrast a little bit and to make the image just a bit sharper because it's going to be a small image on mobile. And on the other sense, you know, if you are doing something just to do it for the sake of doing it, then I think that it's important to question, like, are we doing it just to fancy it up because we feel like there might be something lacking in that image? Or is that an actual intentional stylistic move that you're making? Mm. So that's usually how I differentiate it. And I'm glad you brought that up because with the world of video too, I often have clients, you know, asking, um, you know, I want something that's quick and punchy and it's going to grab attention in the social media newsfeed because I know attention spans are short. And yes, absolutely. I do agree with that to a degree though, because yes, we do need to capture attention in the newsfeed. And yet at the same time, I personally would always prefer timeless storytelling over the latest trend because trends Mm -hmm. come and go. Whereas if you take the time to tell a great story, whether that's through photo or video or even just in a post, um, I feel like that has more longevity. And especially in today's world where we are looking for connection and we are looking for authenticity and we, we want to mirror that in our own business, in our own brand. Um, I'm quite intentional in veering people away from, you know, using that like quick splashy intro just for the sake of doing it. There are other ways to um, powerfully communicate your message without having, you know, fancy transitions and stuff. We, we touched on this a moment ago about comfort with people. When, you know, I remember when you, you first started using the internet, it seemed like it was just, you'd go for, it was kind of like an encyclopedia. You'd go get information off of it. And then when you started to use the internet for business, you could get away with some still images or maybe just stock images. Fast forward to today and video seems like it's an absolute must for brands. And as much as that's evolved, one thing that seems like it hasn't quite evolved is people's willingness to be vulnerable in front of a camera. You know, people would take a still picture and, and I would still do this today. Sometimes I look at still pictures and that judgment voice immediately goes off. Right. Then with video now, it's almost magnified and it's so fascinating because the dichotomy of it is one where we want to connect. We want to, we want to be authentic. We want to have that human to human peace. But then when we go and we put ourselves up in front of this device that actually captures us at really probably our most raw and vulnerable point because we may be so uncomfortable with it, we, we you know, kind of shriek away from it. So that's a long way of saying what are the, 
When it comes to comfort in front of cameras, what are some of the biggest challenges you see your clients coming up against? And then how are they able to overcome those? This is a big thing because I, I feel like we, we're taught and trained to believe that we need to look and show up a certain way in order to be accepted and acceptable. And one thing that has become really apparent for me personally in my own entrepreneurial journey is how far away from truth that that is. And one of the biggest roadblocks that I see are people, you know, not feeling resistant to get in front of the camera, um, feeling like they're going to face judgment and ridicule when they do that and when they share their message, um, or they need to lose that last 10 pounds before they can, you know, start doing video. And if we were to, you know, take that thought on its own and we can say, yeah, you know, everybody has their own kind of self-criticism, I guess you can say. But I think it's a really slippery slope because for as long as we continue to be in agreement with those voices, we are in fact perpetuating this violence against how we should look and how we should mm. show up in order to be normal or right or acceptable or successful. And I think one of my you know, personal journeys in entrepreneurship and in the work that I do is helping business owners and in my work, particularly women, because I notice so many women you know, really facing this, is learning to let go of those stories that we've been taught, even if they were, you know, well-meaning relatives and people who loved us at one point who said, you know what, maybe you shouldn't do that. You know, maybe, maybe you should wait, maybe you should lose those last 10 pounds. We're always letting the world control how we think about ourselves, which then affects how we show up. Mm. And so one of the, um, important kind of takeaways that I always tell people is to first just start, you know, just start and don't wait for that time, that permission, that moment for the nerves to go away. I mean, I've probably literally done hundreds of live streams and I still get nervous before I go live, you know, that never goes away. But the difference is that after a while, you just start to look at your own image and you're like, yeah, it's fine. You know, mm -hmm. and you start to lose that judgment. Um, and really an important aspect to it too, I think is understanding that the more we do show up in the face of that discomfort is where we find our strength, is where we find our voice, is where we find our message where we might have not have known it before. So we really owe it to ourselves to, to do that exploration. And it goes so much deeper than just showing up on video, but really showing up for you, you know, mm -hmm. showing up for yourself. What you said 
the perpetuating the violence of how we show up. My God, that is powerful. I mean, I could, I felt that. And I so appreciate you saying it in that way. I think that that is something that is horribly under touched on, under touched on. I don't even know if that's a proper sentence, but you know what I, <laughs> I mean? I know what you meant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it's, it's something like we, we will, we will affix so many labels to our expectation responsibilities about all this external stuff, but we don't really ever get down to the nitty gritty of our expectation of how we're supposed to show up for ourselves and how we're, how that's supposed to then be reflected or a mirror out into the world. And in so doing, much of what we do in a way to play off of that metaphor, it becomes an act of self-harm, right? We keep putting out images. We put out videos that try to display a reality that's far from truth. My question is, is so you have mostly women who come and I think women definitely do have way more pressure put on them for this too. But, you know, I will say this too, as a, as a man and hearing you talk, I, I never thought about this before with myself. So I will, you know, take photos, put them up, whatever it is. I have resisted though getting in front of a professional for a while because I think now, because before I'd say I don't have enough time, you know, this picture is cool enough, it'll work. But listening to you, there's a voice going, God, are you just are you afraid of them seeing you? You know, are you afraid of them uncovering something that may not have been there before? Is there going to be, are they going to be able to overturn a rock or find some dirt under a rug that you didn't realize was there before? And I didn't, I didn't expect that voice to come up. And there was literally this whole shit, what's going on right now? <laughs> so when someone, and so I imagine then when somebody comes to you and they've been in this place of where they are perpetuating this, they, they, up until the point of beating with you, they have been using film. They have been using film as a way to almost perpetuate the violence against how they think they're supposed to show up. What is on the other side of that for them? You know, how, do, how, does, how does life, how does business unfold for them after they're able to almost, you know, you, you create this vehicle to kind of give them permission to release themselves from that prison? I love this question. And I think that what's on the other side is not necessarily a destination where we say, ah, I've done it and I figured it out and I'm free now. Although uh, that might be some of the byproduct of doing that work. I think that this work is ever evolving and always a practice for ourselves because it's not um, just that moment that we make that decision, then everything changes after that. When in real life, it's like spirelic, right? We make decisions over and over and over again. And do we make the decisions to move away from the things that we've been taught, but might not necessarily be true or to service anymore? And do we make that decision to move forward in a place that feels vulnerable, that feels scary as hell, that has no certain outcome, but what do we put on the line? We, we put our hearts on the line. We put truth on the line and we put, we send an example for a new way of being, you know, we show, we, we lead through example by mm -hmm. letting go of these paradigms that, you know, 
men and women need to fit these specific roles and men need to, you know, earn money while women need to look pretty or, you know, whatever those paradigms are. Um, I would say that, you know, most of us now have this cognitive, like knowing that we know that's not necessarily true. And yet at the same time in media, all we see is the repetition of this message. You know, even I dare I say, you know, luxury brands where this is definitely more female centric, but you know, why is it that having that, you know, Alexander McQueen purse, uh, why is that considered something that's valued in being mm. a woman? Like, have we gone that far <laughs> that we value these external factors as symbols of wealth and success? And so for me, you know, getting on video and showing up is so much more than just sharing a message on video. Well, of course it is that, but for me, it's also this continuous practice that we as individuals and business owners and, and marketers do to break the paradigms that keep us stuck, that keep us held in these cycles of, of violence that don't need to be there anymore. Hmm. Who knew videos could be such a deep topic? <laughs> yeah, but you know, I think it, it really is. And I appreciate you going so deep with it because, you know, the thought that occurred to me as you were, you're talking about that person, I had never heard of that brand, so it's already left my mind, but <laughs> you know, that's, that's, you have to excuse my ignorance for that, but it, it is, it's such a fascinating thing is like, we will, we will often pursue materialistic, materialistic, that's the word I'm looking for, materialistic acquisition as a means to try to fill the void of happiness that we haven't been able to figure out how to fill. So we pursue what we think we're supposed to, or what the status symbols mean. And it's almost like, gosh, you know, imagine in a world where if we can all show up on video completely naked and be happy, how invincible we would be as individuals in our relationships, as a culture, in our business, as a, a collective conscious. Because we already are going on the video in so many ways, feeling that way anyways, right? And yeah, that's such a fascinating way to look at it. Yeah. I think one thing that just popped into my head as you were saying that was um, I was in Peru last year shooting uh, a video project for a nonprofit and um, we were literally in like a remote village that was five hours by speedboat from the closest town. And so a truly remote area and um, this village obviously, you know, quite um, impoverished and that's why the nonprofit was there. But one thing that I noticed was how freeing it was to not look in a mirror or to not even have a mirror, <laughs> you know, for, for three weeks and to be able to really sit with others and to just be with them because we didn't even necessarily speak the same language. And so we learned to just sit 
and to be with each other and to, you know, communicate through simple games and, and through body language. And I just felt like that was such a freeing and humbling experience from what we normally experience in the day to day where there is a lot of, there's a lot of like fronts or, you know, this is how my business is. This yeah. is how happy I am. Um, we feel the need to kind of explain ourselves and justify ourselves a lot. And yeah, I think it would be like, what a wonderful experience that it would be for our collective and for us as individuals to be able to remove some of those defenses and to just sit with each other again. Yeah. Uh, two questions, or, or it's two different people, same question. The beginning business person, beginning entrepreneur to the seasoned business professional, what is the one thing that they need to be doing in regards to video right now? We can go to the beginner first, then go to the season one. Sure. Just start, <laughs> just start, you know, you don't need a fancy setup. You don't need fancy gear. All you need is your smartphone to get started. You can stream live to people across the world now. Like what an amazing gift that is. You know, we'd even have that technology a few years ago. Um, and if going live is a bit too scary, you know, start doing those pre-recorded videos and teach what you know. You know, when I started, I was like, oh, I guess I'll teach people video, <laughs> you know, and just, you just find a starting point. It doesn't have to be perfect. You will evolve. You will grow. Your audience will give you feedback. And so I think just starting is one of the most important things that people can start to do um, to start to build that momentum. And then what about the And season? then the seasoned. So the seasoned business owner, um, because there's already an established audience and chances are there's um, established programs or offers, um, I would definitely be creating this trifecta of storytelling about your program and around your business. So just really briefly about what the trifecta of storytelling is. Every business has three audiences, right? We have our cold audiences who've never heard of us before. We have our warm audiences who maybe they've seen your profile. Maybe they've gone to your website once, but they have never purchased or worked with you before. And then we have our hot leads, you know, people who are in our world. And Many times as business owners, we think about just creating content, you know, how can we create helpful content that's going to um, provide value and, and educate our audience and then hopefully they'll want to work with us or buy from us. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But we often forget to include this layer of cold audience content that is largely values driven. And I like to start with that because just like you wouldn't walk up to a stranger and be like, Hey, this is what I do. You want to buy my thing? You want to book a call? You know, like we don't really want to do that with our audience either. Right. We want to have, we want to build a strong foundation before we start, you know, stacking things on top of that. And so I love to use values, create a values driven 
video about what your brand stands for, what kind of world you want to create, because chances are your ideal clients and customers share those same values. And that's a great kind of first touch piece of content. Um, your second tier of content for your warm audiences. Yeah. The educational stuff could go great here. And there's various different ways that you can do that. But then the other layer that's often forgotten is the hot leads, you know, giving people a bit more intimate look as to what would that experience feel like in working with you? What is it like for them to be a part of your community? What happens after they click that buy now or book now button, you know, and um, as often as marketers, we kind of think of the middle part, but we forget like the front and the back. And um, again, you know, particularly as women, I think, um, we have this tendency to not want to talk about ourselves. Like, I don't want to say I'm the best. I don't really want to boast about what I do. Um, and we don't have to boast about it, but it's an important part of your marketing to educate people around what you do. And this can be done in a really intentional and authentic way. That's not icky or slimy. We're running close on time, but I really want to ask you two more questions. So yeah, I'll sure. ask this one first. I think we can do it. Uh, Biggest mistake you see people making with video right now? Ooh, great question. Biggest mistake, making them too long. Hmm. Making, making, well, there's a caveat here. There's nothing wrong with long videos. You know, people are always saying like, attention short, you have to make them quick and punchy. And there is some truth to that but people are also willing to watch if you're providing value, if you're providing entertainment, if you're providing education. So just being mindful of that, you know, not to over explain, it's better to show rather than tell whenever you can, especially when it comes to video. Um, like video is this beautiful marriage of imagery and sound and you can convey so much without even necessarily having to say it all. And I think that we're just so accustomed to using language to like explain everything. So I, um, I'm actually, I find myself usually like chopping content out of client videos because we want to communicate the message in a succinct way but not take away any of the meaning from it. So I always like to use image, sound, show, rather than tell. I love that. And I just have one final question. Well, actually I have about 50 other questions, but in the interest of time, <laughs> I'll just ask one. With people who are, who are creating, who are, who are creating content, creating, using video for their, for their business, I think they can a lot of times get bogged down in the metrics. You know, how many likes, how many interactions, did it get shared enough? You know, was there, there's 50 people on it yesterday. There was only 22 on it that day. And, you know, then it gets in the logarithm discussions, all those types of things. In your opinion, what's the most important metric that someone can focus on when they're producing video content, whether it's live or it's a video they record themselves and they're posting it up on their social, putting it up on their business. What's the most important metric they should be focusing on? Engagement, hands down, engagement. 
So I know it's easy for us to, you know, keep checking back like, Oh, I got a few more views. I got a few more views. Yeah. <laughs> right. We all do it. Yeah, you yeah, know, zero yeah. guilt. Like we all do it. Yeah. Um, but, three uh, times today already. <laughs> right. Right. Has it changed? Not yeah, that much. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, um, our, our main goal as business owners is to kind of get our message and get our brand in front of people and, and new eyeballs. And, and going even a layer deeper than that, it's not enough to just get your content in front of people now. You have to be saying something or doing something that matters, that elicits that engagement, that elicits that comment or that like. So as content creators, we should be really intentional about not just creating content, but how can this piece of content either speak to something that's already on their minds, but maybe educating them or shifting their idea around it somehow that it does provoke some kind of engagement. Or if you're using a medium like live video, get really intentional about saying like, Hey, you know, if you're joining me now, say hello in the comments or asking questions and mm -hmm. deliberately eliciting engagement throughout. Um, the algorithm loves that too. You know, especially when you are doing live video, uh, Facebook is looking for the engagement on your video. So the more you're able to get that engagement, the more Facebook is going to push it to more organic views. Whereas, you know, if you just sit there and talk, um, some people do have really engaged audiences who comment anyways, just on a talking video, but for the most of us, we need to, you know, be a little bit intentional about that. So just know that when you create engagement, you help people to be invested in, in what you're saying and mm -hmm. your message. And, and that's kind of what marketing is about, right? It's not just about that standalone content, but how are you able to, move and inspire people and engage with them through something that really matters to them and to you and and how can we find alignment there and essentially create this you know rally uh over a message online hmm. i mean that's incredible everyone i don't know about you but i want to go pick up my phone pick up my camera and go and start creating right now after this this is a rewatch, re-listen take notes for sure this has evolved from a almost a deeply spiritual discussion about video and life through the lens into some practical really useful tools and tips for entrepreneurs and business professionals with their with their photography i i love the notion of how by being in front of the camera it brings up so much of our stuff, you know, those things, those issues, those ways we were perpetuated to show up and the notion of that it can also be this, this almost gateway to perpetuate this violence of how we show up. But if we give ourselves permission to go and be vulnerable in front of the video, to allow our true authentic self to appear, that we can not only transform our business, transform our life, but we can transform the narrative that's been carried on for far too long. There's narratives that all of us have been taught and shared, and that's maybe why so many of us shy away from the camera in the first place. But allowing yourself to just play, to get on there, to test it out, to let people know that you're just jumping on, you're getting used to it, to play with the lighting, to allow the lighting to lead you in the storytelling component, to not be so worried about what the, how many likes are gonna pop up, but be more, be more engaged with how people engage with you. 
I love that you said engaging is equals investing. It's people's way of letting them know that they're invested in you, which would very likely mean that they could invest in you as a, as a, as a business owner, your business, what your product or services. To come back to the notion of, of how we see the world through our lens, you know, I think that's a beautiful metaphor for life because all of us are looking through a lens right now. And if you don't like the lens that you're looking through, if your lens of your business isn't quite working, consider changing the lens because you have a masterpiece that you could create out there. And I think Emmy has given us some wonderful tools to do exactly that. Emmy, thank you so much for being here. This has been such a blessing. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I had a blast. Absolutely. We'll see you next time, everyone, on another edition of A Handful of Hope. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you're finding value in these conversations, please rate and review on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite place is to listen to